What is up, everybody? This is Alex. And this is James, and you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. Serving up the latest Everton news and stateside views. Let's kick things off. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I hope you're having a fantastic weekend, especially after um, drawing nil-nil at Stamford Bridge. So, James, what did you think about the Everton lineup today? Well, I thought my prediction was 100% correct uh, in midweek. <laughs> All right, my man. <laughs> uh, not surprising. I think more or less what everyone expected. Again, we talked about potentially Adam Olalukman coming on to start, but I think the that Silva felt more comfortable sticking with the more consistent, not consistent, but I guess more of a tried and true performer with, with Walcott and yeah, Yerry Mina coming in. It was, I was cautiously optimistic, Uh tough game to make your, your Premier League debut, but he had a great game. And so um, yeah, the lineup, it's good to see that we're continuing to build uh, with the same squad and, and continuing to allow those players to, develop chemistry and I think we saw a lot of the payoffs of the previous matches kind of come to fruition today in the in that you know a a complete team performance yeah I agree I think the lineup was good you were indeed right um thank you thank you I I I was pretty surprised that Walcott started I'm actually surprised that Richarlison started because I think it was Wednesday he didn't train according to Alan Myers and then Thursday, I think, was it Thursday? Or no, it was Friday. Yeah. Friday is when um, Marcus Silva mentioned that he was a doubt. Then news came out that he at least traveled. And then this morning, lo and behold, um, you know, he started. So that was nice because I wasn't going to feel very confident at all if my man Richie wasn't on the pitch. So... Um, Furthermore, as far as the Chelsea lineup's concerned, it was pretty funny to see Ross Barkley did not get the start, although he started, I think, the last like two or three matches straight for them. Yep. Um, Hazard was pretty expected because we saw him being eased in the last couple weeks. So overall, um, nothing crazy on the lineups. It was good to see that Yerry Mina made his, made his full first full debut. Yeah, and then, you know, getting into the game early on, I thought we looked very, very good in that we were pressing them. They still pretty much controlled the bulk of the possession throughout. Uh, And at times in possession, we did look a little rushed with their press. But at the same time, we were doing a really good job of letting their center backs sort of sit on the ball and not really allowing them to play through their midfield. And they looked like they were struggling for ideas for the first 15 or 20 minutes. They really were. As you said, we started off pretty bright. I know we got an early corner and that sort of thing. And as we kind of talked about um, via text early on, like the press looks looked inch perfect pretty much. Yeah. Everyone was doing their job. Sigurdsson pressing high. It was like a, it was like a four, four, two, which is something we've kind of seen tactically on, yep. on the defensive side. Uh, Sigurdsson pushing very high and really pressing the, the back line of Chelsea. And it was really good. It looked great. Um, as the game wore on, it started to to fade as the players legs got tired, but that first half was, was very, very good. Um, I guess the first major event of the match was that Yeri Mina, 
uh, yellow card, quote unquote yellow card, which was just the first of very several very very questionable downright poor decisions from the referee today. Yeah, Kevin Friend, uh, or as I like to call him, Kevin Friend of Chelsea. Nice. Uh, he was. <laughs> he um. He was just annoying to say the least. So yeah, in like the twenty second. 22nd minute um Yerry Mina had like a completely clean f- tackle on Hazard probably about 25 yards out like center center of the uh pitch and the ball went flying in the opposite direction completely clear but Hazard decided to roll on the floor and all of a sudden you know it's a free kick Marco yeah. Alonso takes it and it was close I mean I was biting my fingers because yeah. it was like at that angle, it was the perfect amount of distance to give give a player time to let the ball dip, and it was the perfect angle in which anyone left foot, right footed, could take it. And it was just it was scary. Yeah, I thought Alonso had a really good game for Chelsea today. Uh, him and Hazard were the two biggest threats. But yeah, it, I mean, it wasn't a completely clean tackle in that he does completely get the ball. And then he does clip Hazard afterwards. But again, like by the rules of the game, that's a clean tackle. That's not a foul. And yet somehow he's shown yellow. And at that point, I was actually very worried because, again, it's like Gary Mina's Premier League debut. He comes in immediately on a yellow inside of 25 minutes. And now he has to play the rest of the match sort of on walking on eggshells. And I was worried about how that was going to play out because of the problems and the attacking Agility, the, the fluidity with which Chelsea have uh, the the ability to score goals and attack. So I was concerned, but he proved me wrong and, and went on to have a, a fantastic rest of the game. Um, and yeah, that, and again, that was the first of several bad decisions. The second one being that just abysmally cynical challenge from Jorginho on Gilfie Sigurdsson. It was awful. It was only about five minutes after, you know, in this game, we saw really early on that it was going to be pretty chippy. Um, there were, you know, on top of the fact that Yerry Minas wasn't a foul, let alone a yellow card. Um, we saw a lot of fouls of Chelsea on Everton players just completely waved off, like just blatant things, um, you know, and then five minutes after Yerry Mina gets a yellow card out of nowhere, Jorginho essentially just, drives straight into Sigurdsson studs up over his ankle. I mean, it's like it is textbook red card and he somehow escapes with a yellow. I'm sitting there thinking like, you know, Sigurdsson doesn't, you know, he doesn't go down easily and he doesn't stay down. And so when he's sitting there like that and he's not wanting to get up and you have, you have the medical staff on the field, you're sitting there like, okay, we are not even half an hour into this match and we're about to lose, you know, our main creative force. So how is this going to work? Yeah, and it was even worse. The tackle alone, just the single, the t- two-footed dive in. But he was also dragging him, trying to bring him down. He tried to bring him down two or three times before that and failed. So that in itself, you think, would be a yellow. And then the tackle just kind of put it over the top into a red for me. Uh, again, I just think it's it's ridiculous at this point that there isn't VAR. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure you saw Charlie Austin's uh, fantastic rant. I did. Uh, I did, and he's he's gonna get he's gonna get um, fined. I'm sure multiple thousand pounds for that too. Yeah, and and sure, the FA has the right to do that. But at this point, this this season, 
for not just Everton, because you could name five or six refereeing decisions that have had a direct negative impact on the game for us. But across the league, there's just, it's, it's like, it's like Austin said, and I think he made a really good point. It's like, help the refs out. Like they don't want to be missing calls. There's no, I don't think there's any referee in their right mind that wants to, to go into a game and say, yeah, I'd like to blow three or four obvious ones, but the pace of the game is such that they just can't keep up with it. And again, we saw it later on uh, in the match when uh, was a Rudiger that had that very, very awful flop against Bernard trying to pretend he'd yep. been headbutted. And the referee has as you see on the replay, he's literally back to completely away from it. And yet somehow both players end up with a yellow when, when it should have just been a yellow for simulation because Bernard did nothing wrong. Uh, and so the sooner the VAR can't get here soon enough. And, and it was honestly infuriating me in the first half because of the inconsistency with the refereeing and Kevin friend ended up letting a lot of stuff go, which I think is important to keep the game flowing and moving you know, not to completely kill off everything, any kind of momentum for either team, but there has to be some some sort of assistance for it because there's no level of consistency and you've got referees trying to make calls, again, for things that happen behind their back. Like, give them a replay to look at and say, oh yeah, that's clearly a flop. That's clearly a clean tackle. And then you get the call right and then you don't have these very subjective and incorrectly judged decisions shaping games. Yeah. I mean, he, (laughs) he, well, it was all justified. He issued five yellow cards in the first half of the match, which is ridiculous, especially when you look at kind of the way the match was going Um, in terms of, I'm trying to find stats on fouls, but I can't at the moment. Um, But someone on Twitter said it best. There's a reason why none of the Premier League referees went to the World Cup. And that's because they're not consistent. And, you know, they they just blow call after call. I mean, we've seen it a ridiculous amount of times this season alone for us personally. And, and, you know, you you talk about Southampton where they literally like they are dying for those points. And you can't afford to be giving them up like that. So it's pretty unfortunate. But, you know, you're... You're you're going into or you're you're going into halftime, right? And how are you feeling knowing that it's it's nil nil, five yellow cards have been given, you know, we got a couple of players hobbling. I again the first half performance was really positive going away. Didn't see a lot of the ball, but the press was working. Going into half, I felt like it was an absolute certainty that someone was getting sent off, first of all. Uh second of all, I thought, you know what? this is pretty good. I, I can get used to this type of situation where we are, we've shown up to play and we're ready to compete with the big boys. Um, that being said, I, I did not think that our attacking players really clicked for most of it. There were moments uh, I thought Theo Walcott had a poor game again, uh, just didn't really do enough for me. Every time he touched the ball, it was possession going, went to going die. Away. Yeah. Possession. Exactly. It was just, and it's now four or five games in a row now that he's shown an inability to really create much on that right side. On the other hand, I thought Seamus Coleman looked actually very good going forward and overlapping. Um, and then on the left, Bernard, I thought had, again, we're starting to see the, the problems with his physique in the Premier League where if he's not given space to, to pull off his little tricks, he's really going to struggle to get by people. 
Um, and I, so, and then Richarlison just didn't have a ton to do. He was looking to make some really good runs into the, you know, behind the defense, but couldn't time it right. Either Chelsea was doing a good job with holding their line, uh, or just Richarlison not doing enough to time it right. But, uh, yeah, really, we, I don't, we didn't register a shot in the first half and I think Chelsea only had one. So it was very much a stalemate in the first half. Yeah, I agree with that. I was I was just ridiculously anxious the entire match because you're sitting there and you like, you know, you want you want to come away with a result, whether that's one point or three points. And, you know, it's just we're not used to it going well <laughs> against yeah. Chelsea and especially away. So to go in nil nil and then, you know, as we also talked about and I've mentioned before, we are very much like a second half team this season which is great because, you know, the last couple of seasons, it's very much been, you know, we'll start pretty strong and then we come out in the second half and we look like we look like someone just gave gave us bad news at halftime and we just can't concentrate, you know? So I was feeling pretty good about it. I never thought that, you know, we could we could make it nil-nil full-time, that's for sure. Um, I know we had, we had about 33% possession or so yeah. at halftime. We actually finished with less which is is to say the least um somewhat disappointing but you know we come out in the second half and we started we you know they started pretty well for the first minute or two but after that i felt like we kind of settled in it when we looked better yeah we were able to be more comfortable in possession they weren't pressing quite as high uh but then at the same time right around the 60th minute we started to see there that they started to click and they started to get the ball to hazard. I think they changed, they might've shifted him more centrally. Uh, and uh, as he was on the ball more, he is, I think he's probably the best player in the Premier league. Uh, he was really good today. So good with the ball at his feet. It's like, it's glued and he just has the ability to kind of wiggle in through, through spaces and, and pick the, the short pass that somehow opens up acres of space. Um, and, I was getting a little nervous because they started to, to really pile on the pressure and the crowd started to get into it. You could hear. Uh, yeah. And then, and then we made the switch. We switched out. Uh, Bernard, Bernard came Lookman. off. Yeah. Bernard came off for Lookman, which I, personally I would have liked to see Walcott come off for Lookman and get him a yep. go on the right side. But again, it's been a tough run of games for Bernard. Hasn't really found his form and Lookman came on and looked very good. He had that one absolutely exquisite dribble where he yeah. wiggled through. He, I think he megged, he might've megged uh, Rudiger, but then the little shimmy and then he gets in space and the cross got blocked. But I think he's earned himself a position in the starting lineup going forward, uh, at least temporarily until Bernard can get his feet back under him for whatever reason. Uh, I but think, yeah, we um, go ahead. I think I'd rather see him take Walcott's spot just because you know, we've seen Walcott struggle, right? And you can say the exact same thing about Bernard, but here's what I'll challenge that with. You know that Walcott, you know, is giving what he's got to give. Bernard, on the other hand, you never know. At some point in one of these matches, it may just start to click in terms of adapting to the league and that sort of thing. It's no surprise that he's going to come in and he's going to take, he could take the entire season. I heard uh, one of the managers say over the summer that it takes, it takes most players a full year to get acclimated to the league itself. You know, the, the pace of, of game and 
physicality and that sort of thing. And then on top of that, you have to learn a new him, Richarlison, and uh, Yerry Mina are all in English lessons. So they've got to learn a new ling- language. They've got to learn a new culture. They got to, you know, they have to um, get kind of close with their with their teammates. So Bernard, you know, you never know. He could have he could have just a blinder one week. And so I think the potential, that's the word I'm looking for, the potential for Bernard to play well is higher than Walcott is at the moment. I think that's pretty fair. I And I think that, I think Lookman prefers playing out on the right. So, or no, he prefers playing on the left, but I think he can do a job on either wing. Um, and so, yeah, again, as we move forward after the international break, I'd like to see him get a go because he looks very, very tricky and, and, a very uh, imminent threat for defenses to have to match up with, with his agility and, and quickness and his dribbling skills. Um, and so as, it, as the game progressed, it started to become more and more like we were holding them at bay and that they were going to eventually score at some, at one point I texted you and said, we'd be very, very lucky. I think it was after Alonzo, I think hit the post on yeah. that, on another yeah. shot. And it was like, it started to feel like the waves just kept coming in, crash and crashing. And how long would we be able to hold out? And I think the whole defensive line was absolutely incredible today. I think you could probably make a justification to give any of them man of the match. Michael Keane didn't have his best game that he's had, but still solid. And Yerry Mina looked right at home. Um, what was interesting to me is when we switched to the back three when we brought Jackie Elka on uh, for Sigurdsson, who hopefully isn't very injured. Uh, something we haven't really seen. We saw it at the end of the Gormahia game when we switched to a back three. Um, that could be an interesting change for us going forward once we have all three of our main center backs fit uh, tactically. It was good to see Phil Jackie Elka back out, back out on the pitch. Yeah, that was the first time I think the announcer said we've seen him literally since the opening day at I think Wolves. Um, So in terms of tactically, that was really smart because, you know, this was, this was about 15 minutes of regular time left and what we were seeing and and the way the team was set up today, as you said, kind of a flat four, four, two out of possession. And we were defending kind of narrow, right? We were essentially saying, if you're going to play forward, you're going to play it out outside. Um, on the wings. Well, you can tell that um, Sari kind of adjusted at, at halftime and they started to take advantage of that. So what Marco Silva decided to do was let's throw Phil Jagielka in the center. That'll give him kind of like a boost. You know, he's a fantastic communicator, which is really important when you have all those players kind of buzzing around like Hazard and, and the likes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it allows your, your fullbacks to defend closer to the byline too. And so, right. And so what, what happened was you saw that it was, it was much harder. I mean, naturally you're going to think like, okay, three center backs are on the pitch. It's going to be more difficult, but the concept was more so let's defend in width without leaving so many spaces and it worked out. Right. I mean, no balls were really coming in, in, um, or swung in because, you know, Murata was is not going to be able to, I don't think, really beat any of them unless the ball was inch perfect. And, you know, that kind of brings me on to a side rant. I've never lost respect for one player so much in one match as I have today 
with Murata. I mean, yeah. he, he came he came into the league and seeing some of the clips that I did, I think it was last season, he looked awful, you know? And they spent ridiculous money on this guy too, and he just doesn't look up to it at all. He was bad. His hair was also bad. I don't know what <laughs> he uses in his hair, but like it looked like, I don't know, like motor oil had been put in there. It was, it was pretty pitiful. But yeah, he was, and he was whining and he was caught offside a couple of times. He did have several good chances to score, but just was not able to do anything. And I agree. I thought he was very, very poor. And the whining on top of it, the crying, the, he got yellow carded for dissent for just not being able to shut up when talking to the referee. Uh, so I think Chelsea are looking for a different, definitely going to be looking for a different striker, whether that's in January or next season. But I think that's imperative for them to get a new striker in because I don't think Murata's up to it at all. Well, see, you know what would have been cool is if they, uh, is if they let us get Olivier Giroud. Well, I guess now let us if he didn't walk out, you know, during his water under the bridge. Water under the bridge. Nope, never, never. <laughs> Could have changed so many things, but uh, yeah, it was. It was annoying to see, but it was a fantastic change, you know, and 15 minutes left. And it was just like, you know, nail biting for the next 15, 20 minutes or so um, because they were getting chances, but we had a couple of our own. Um, I thought that a big downfall for us, and it was really highlighted in the second half when we weren't, I think we, we kind of let the nerves sink in. And so we saw, kind we went back to the Sam Allardyce era if, if you can call it an era. And uh, what we did was we just started booting the ball, right? Like clearing it. And that's okay because at the end of the day, it, it nothing wrong with just sticking to the basics and making sure you do them right. But when you boot the ball forward, what we saw is every single time, whether it was Pickford trying to distribute it or if it was a defender trying to clear it, our forwards could not um, possess the ball. Most of them were lost. Richarlison sometimes was able to get ahead on it, but then, you know, it was it was hard fought for, and then, you you know, you couldn't win the second ball. The second ball, yeah. And so we're okay when we can play kind of on the ground, but their press really got to us as well. And so that was a big issue too. And I think that was the type of game in which we really needed, um, we really needed like a proper center forward as opposed to a striker. Yeah. Um, because that would have that would have helped us out a lot. Yeah, I think that's spot on. Again, it's it's important to remember that although we do want to start going to places like Chelsea and Manchester City and, and Arsenal and whatnot, uh, and getting points, we are still definitively a tier below them as far as talent across throughout the team. I thought Today now now we have our strongest team we've had in a long long time, but that being said, there's still we we lack the quality throughout that teams like Chelsea have, and so when we go away, it's to be expected that there we're not going to be able to just boss them off the pitch in any way, and I think you started to see some tired legs as the game wore on, and that's why you some started to see some legs. of the some of the yeah some of the kick in run. Um, I actually thought Richarlison did fairly well like you said, in winning the first ball, but it was just directing it to someone in a white shirt proved difficult. Um, and it's also because you had so many people back defending. All in all, I thought it was a very composed and sound performance, and I'll, I'll happily take the point 
as we were looking a few weeks ago at this run of fixtures, I think any of these away, we still have, I think, Liverpool and Manchester City to come. <laughs> any points from, from those away matches is considered a bonus, and then we really just have to take care of business against the sides at home that are on the weaker side. Right. I mean, that's that's a general rule, right? They always say you win your home matches and you draw your away matches. Quick math. I mean, that's um, that's there are how many home matches a season? I think it's 19, 19, right? Yeah. Yeah, So that's you know, that's what is that? Fifty seven points if you win every home match. And this is a math podcast now. It is. It is. And so you're right up there in what the mid 70s. If you win all your matches at home and draw your away matches. So point being, all I'm saying is we're acting as, you know, title contenders currently as of today, right? With the okay. result. Okay. All right. You've had a lot of hot takes. <laughs> You've had a lot of hot takes. Title contenders. No, that was, that was, Sports that was, not. that was tongue in cheek. Like if I had another tongue yeah. to put in my other cheek, I'd, you know, yep. but, Double um, it up. Double exactly. It up. Just so that I would shut up, but <laughs> All right. either way, All right. fantastic so- performance. Yeah, it was a good performance. Point, happy, done, business, done and dusted, but uh, kind of wrap things up. Let's hear your man of the match. So, um, well, to preface our picks here, um, I saw on Twitter about an hour ago that Yerry Mina on his full Premier League debut actually got the official Premier League man of the match. Which yeah, is what a trophy too, right. if you saw it. Yeah, yeah so... Um, that was, that was interesting. Now my pick for Everton man of the match, um, I'm going to have to go with Jordan Pickford is my number one. Wow. He had, he had some really good saves specifically. Um, the one, the very, the one shot in, in the first half from, uh, Alonzo, yeah, that, that was, that was sh- yeah, it was it was kind of a hard angle, hit at pace. You know, he was strong there. Um, I think he also saved a shot from Hazard at the top of the box, hit with plenty of pace as well. And I think that as a defense, right, because we've seen our defense, and and I think that our defense um, deserves all the plaudits in the world today because they played fantastically across the board. Not one weak li- weak link. Um, what I'll what I'll say is I think that it helps mentally to know that you have someone behind you that quote unquote has your back. <laughs> yeah, and, and absolutely. They know that, you know, if if something happens, Jordan Pickford more often than not is gonna make a play or make a save. And so I thought that it was imperative to have him there. As far as my second man of the match is concerned, I'm gonna go with Lucas Digne because I thought that defensively, for the most part, he was fantastic. Um, he had a lot of good interplay. He was up and down, good linkage. Um, so those those are my those are my two. Yeah, and almost got through on goal there at the end. That was a close call. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. It was. It was, it was a great run. Um, I was leaning towards Dina, but personally, I'm gonna have to go with uh, Adrisa Gay for my man of the match. It's becoming kind of a common pick. I think every week he shows us how important he is to the team. I thought he outplayed Conte today, in my opinion. Um, intercepting a lot, doing pressuring the man with the ball, doing a lot on Eden Hazard. Uh, his distribution 
again, not a strong suit, but not great today. But, but that being said, the middle of the, the field was someplace that I thought he absolutely dominated. Uh, I agree, Jordan Pickford. It's really hard because you could really pick anyone out of our defense and even maybe Andre Gomez and uh, as well as Idrissi Gay in midfield. But uh, it's the attack that really kind of let us down. But yeah, I'm going Ghana. I think he might. he's quietly shaping up a player of the season type uh, campaign so far for us. That's true. And... It just shows he was important for us and he's been important for us in every season he's been here, but it's really, he's really on a different level now under Marco Silva. And I, I can only imagine how much he's going to continue to improve. And I hope to see it. All right. Yeah. I mean, I remember, I remember Everton fans being upset that we signed him from Aston Villa. You remember that? I people, yeah. people are like, who is this dude? Why are we signing him? You know, seven mil from Aston Villa side that just got relegated, obviously a DM, um, you know, and they were they were an abysmal team, like borderline Sunderland bad. Yeah. Um, but he, the, uh, yeah, but he ended up being a fantastic signing and he's he's pretty much always consistent. And I think you're right. I think he did outplay Conte today. Yeah, I think him and him, Pickford and Lucas Dean are like the most nailed on starters for this team as you continue to go forward and Richarlison. Those four, uh, the core, key core. Yeah, so I think I think uh, heading into the international break, um, you're, you're going to see some, some selection decisions having to be made, specifically at center half, right? Because Yerry Mina starts his full debut at, at Stamford Bridge and gets man of the match. I don't know that you can throw Kurt Zuma back in there, but, you know, Zuma only, only got left out because he couldn't play physically. So on top of that, you know, you see Sigurdsson is de- he was limping, and Marco Silva said in the media that he's afraid he may not be okay for the home match in two weeks, and so I'm gonna go out there and say that we could see Bernard centrally there, um, and if that's the case, then I think it's you're pretty much guaranteed that you're gonna say Lookman starting on the left, so it, it'll it'll be interesting for sure. Yeah, a lot more to come as this season that has been very good so far. So now we're sitting still in ninth, I believe, but we're only one point off of sixth. And so considering the results that we have had so far this season that should have gone our way, I think we're in a really good position. And it's, again, still very early, and we're starting to see immediate returns on the managerial decision that we've made, uh, the players that we've signed. And it's all all really positive continuing to be, which is something that is so nice to be able to come and talk about Everton and have a positive, something positive to take away every single week. Yeah, I agree. So everyone, we really appreciate you tuning in. Look out for a couple podcasts, um, maybe about some kind of general topics, and then definitely at least one maybe next weekend covering uh, the international break and some players um, and how they're performing for their international teams. Otherwise, have a fantastic Veterans Day and see you soon. Thanks so much for tuning into the American Toffee Podcast. It is available on all major platforms. Please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. That would help us out a ton. And follow us on Twitter as well, at USA Toffee Pod. Until next time... 
Come on, you blues.